Hi, guys, and welcome back to our podcast, Healing the Broken Marriage. I'm your host, Alicia. And today I am so excited because I have my good friend on, Sean Bowles. So, for those of you who don't know, Sean is a TV host, an author, producer, and minister. He's been leading conversations in the church, entertainment world, and in social justice that have helped believers connect their faith to culture in a transformative way all around the world. Sean also has podcasts out called Exploring the Prophetic and Exploring the Marketplace, which I would suggest you guys go check out. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. So welcome, Sean. I'm so glad to be on. I love that you guys started your podcast because I love your story so much. And so I'm glad you got to share your story, but now you're sharing a lot of other people's wisdom and stories too. So it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. This was a big step of faith, but like, yeah, <laughs> but um, Brian and I have known you for several years now. And a big part of that is because I work for you, <laughs> which I'm so grateful for, <laughs> which I am grateful as well. Um, but more than that, we've got to know you as a person and now as a friend. And I think that we can both say knowing you and your friendship has been such a blessing to us both. And oh. I know if Brian was here, he would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I just love you guys. So I appreciate that. The feeling's mutual. Yeah. And, you know, of course, Jer Jeremy Boutros, the one who wears multiple hats, he was a big inspiration for us starting this podcast and even giving us the confidence to do this. So what he's I've the, learned. He's the, the man behind the curtain that just he pulls is. all of our strings and gets us all to do things that we're uncomfortable with. He does it for all of us. I feel like he's my boss sometimes more than I'm his boss. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see that. I know. But like what I've learned within this ministry has been so invaluable. And I just wanted to start off by thanking you for giving me the opportunity to serve under you and the ministry. Oh, well, you, I need to thank you more than you thank me. I mean, you've just been, I, I, we, what, this can turn into a huge, like words of affirmation that all the listeners stop listening to. <laughs> but let me tell you listeners, like for real, Alicia and Brian are the real deal. And they have gone above and beyond for all their relationships, including ours, you know, you work for us and you guys just, you're just so present and connected and faithful and loyal. And this is way too many words of affirmation for a, t uh, a podcast, but my head this is, is true. huge. <laughs> <laughs> it should oh, be as it should you. be. Oh, thank you. So, um, so on this podcast, we've been going after some hard topics that marriages face today. But also um, showing people that having a healthy, thriving marriage is possible. And when I think of you and Cherie's marriage, I see a picture of healthy marriage and healthy family and what that looks like. And I really wanted to bring you guys or bring you on because I think it's important to not only highlight, you know, how to fix maybe broken things that are going wrong in your marriage, but also to highlight when things are going right. And so today I really wanted to talk with you about vulnerability and conflict within marriages. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> I, I'm ready. I was all of a sudden I was like, oh, we only get to tell the good story today. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off with vulnerability. And I know that that can be a hard thing because it requires trust. And, you know, if I'm going to be vulnerable with my spouse or close friend, Will I be accepted or rejected? And I think that mindset even goes back to 
some of our past experiences with vulnerability or even from childhood. So being vulnerable can sometimes feel scary. Like there's some high stakes attached to it. Um, If you've had bad experiences when you've been vulnerable, you know, what does that look like? And so I just wanted to ask you, when you've been vulnerable, what has that looked like in your life and responsibilities or rela- well, I'm it's, sorry, it's really interesting relationships for a lot of us who are overachievers or performance driven or whatever, you know, it's like, and I've had to, you know, your, your greatest strengths or your greatest weaknesses before they have character. Um, when you're really a workaholic or you're a performance driven person, your identity is wrapped up in what you do, which I've had a lot of those seasons before I was married, especially then you're, you have a hard time being vulnerable because you're including someone in decision-making processes that you've already solidified in your own heart, whether it's out of insecurity or security, you've solidified them. So it's really hard to bring somebody into the process when you're working a lot and you're, and you really love what you're working on, because then you have Mm -hmm. to expose your world and what you're working on to them. And if your identity is in it, then it's really hard to hear. And so with Shree and I, when we first dated, I think you know this, but when we first dated, we dated only for like six weeks and I fell madly in love with her and she broke up with me. And oh, wow. I was so sad. And we broke up yeah. for two years and she stayed in my church where I was the senior pastor. And I mean, that's guts to just stay in the same yeah. church. And she right. wasn't in love with me at the time. She, um, she did have some indicators that she felt like God was, you know, in our relationship, but she just had some things going on in her life and she didn't know how to be vulnerable to those things because her dad was actively dying of ALS and she had had a previous relationship in her life. And she has her own story that she was kind of curious about to see if that was going to come around again. And she has her own story in this, but I also, because I was in so much performance and I didn't know how to be just me in a relationship. I hadn't dated in a real way in so long. I didn't know how to be me in the relationship. And so I was trying to be thinking I was trying to be the best version of myself. I was actually performing. I was almost like a character in a story. Mm. not being really who I was. And I couldn't recognize that. So I was really mad at her when she broke up with me. But shortly after that, I listened to a sociologist that many of your listeners might have heard of named Brene Brown, who teaches on the power of connection and connectivity and talks about vulnerability. And I found therapy through what she talked about and I actually went to a therapist and I was like, this is the missing ingredient in my life that I think is a secret sauce because I'm vulnerable on one hand. I'm really, I'll share my problems with people. I'll share my failures. I'll share what I've learned, but I don't usually share them when it's happening. It's after I've resolved it. And I don't mind people knowing bad things about me if I already have a handle on it. But when people know okay. things that I'm struggling with actively, it's really hard for me because I don't want them to speak into it because it's, it's scary because I've had some really bad examples in my past who've tried to fix or correct things in me mm-hmm. out of a religious mindset or out of just a works mentality, not out of a love or care or caregiver, you know? Right. And so I had to work through that. So when Shri and I dated again, long story short, when Shri and I started dating again, I pursued her and uh, well, she pursued me first as a long story to just go out and kind of clean some things up as far as what happened, as far as our, our last talk we had together, she wanted to kind of clean it up and just reset. Yeah. Not for the sake of relationship, but I couldn't reset for the sake of anything but relationship, because I just thought she was so beautiful and amazing. So, um, but at the same time, I was mad at her because she broke up with me mm-hmm. and it was, <laughs> I've never been broken up with before. <laughs> so we went out again after the first time we kind of reset, like back to zero. And we went mm-hmm. out again, just as friends, because we had a really amazing chemistry as friends. So we went out as friends and I said, can we watch this video together? And she's like, what is it? I said, it's a Ted talk by this woman, Bernie Brown. And it's really changed my life. And um, I've been in 
you know, process of vulnerability ever since. And we didn't have this when we were in a relationship before. And I'm afraid we're going to start a friendship, not based on vulnerability, but based on all kinds of other things. And I want to, I want to be, I'm going to be connected to you in a real way. Right. So we watched it and she got so impacted by it. She goes, this defines so much of what God's teaching me right now that we ended up talking for hours about it. And then at the end of the hours, I said, I have to be vulnerable with you. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. just be friends with you. Either we're not going to be friends or we're going to be in a relationship and you have to decide if you want to try that again. And she's just like, Oh, okay. And she, wow. and she's like, I just, and she was vulnerable back. Like my dad's actively dying. Like I, I, you know, I have a job that I'm working 80 hours a weekend. It's I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working so hard because of the travel. She had to drive about three hour round trip a day. Uh, she's like, I just, I don't know the space I have for a relationship relationship, but I'm willing to look at it. And so we, we, we went forward that night and then we never looked back because it just, God worked it out, but it was so cool to start the second time and not feel like I was a character in a book trying to perform, but to feel like this is who I am. And I'm just going to be as real as I am Mm -hmm. every day. And I'm going to choose that every day. And I'm going to be vulnerable. Even when it came to conflict things, like my dad, and I love my dad. He was, he's an amazing dad, but it was a massive conflict avoider. So with right. Sheree, I had to practice like, oh, what she did to me just affected me. I, like, I don't know if I misheard her, misunderstood her, but I'm going to bring it up even the little times where it's pre-conflict. Like I'm going to bring right. this up and talk about it. And she loved it. Like for her, she's like, I love being on, online, like just in communication for me, that felt high risk. And so I had right. to learn how to like, even not conflict avoid, but say, Hey, my emotions today, I'm kind of stirred up. This is what just happened when you did that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, okay. And it wasn't big at all, but I used to avoid that. And it would break relationships 10 years in because I'd avoided so much that there was now debt in the relationship and usually other right. people avoid too. And, yeah. and so there's codependency without connection and it's just terrible. So I've had, you know, about four broken friendships that I regret because of my yeah. own lack of connection. And I'm, it's not all my fault, but there's, I can take responsibility for what is my fault. Yeah, absolutely. I know for like, for me and Brian growing up, you know, I lived in a house where, you know, vulnerability was like open and everybody was honest with each other. My parents were just like, you know, it it was like that. Well, like in Brian's house, it was the opposite where vulnerability was like, you, you just, you keep it in, you don't um, say what you feel. And so here we are two people coming into a relationship where we both have these experiences, you know, growing up where, so for him, you know, for me, it was more natural to be vulnerable and open. Whereas for him, it was not a natural process, you know, because he was, he was shown, you know, you're a man, you don't show your feelings, you don't open up, you keep those inside. And so I think, sometimes opening up and being, being vulnerable can lead into conflict if it's not done in love. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so piggybacking off of what we were talking about, um, I think for a lot of people, conflict and resolution is a big thing. Like we'll have the conflict, but then there's no resolution behind it. Yeah. And so I just, I wanted to read this excerpt because I think it's so good from um, Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries Face-to-Face. Which is amazing. Yeah, how to have difficult conversations you've been avoiding. And so he says, the extent to which two people in a relationship can bring up and resolve issues is a critical marker of the soundness of a relationship. Wow. And I feel like to some extent, 
how you handle conflict determines the success of your marriage or relationships. Like, do you talk about hard things or do you stuff them down only to have them resurface during the next conflict? And I feel like sometimes people have this mentality or way of thinking, or like I was talking about, even how we grew up, that conflict is bad or it's not godly. So what would you say about healthy conflict resolution and how God feels about that? You know, it's really interesting because leading people, especially leading teams, um, when I was in the church team uh, and I was senior pastoring, I, I brought in people who taught us how to do a conflict because there's times that somebody would confront somebody else on the team and they would just want to talk about like, it was almost like emotional exhibitionism, you know, like exhibitionism when someone wants to be seen naked. It's like yeah. somebody wanted all their pain to be seen and felt. And if they weren't felt and seen, then mm -hmm. it wasn't a real conflict and it wasn't, it wasn't resolved. And I was like, okay. there has to be a better way. Cause a lot of Christians are like that. A lot of people are yeah. like that in life in general, it's just like, I want to be known and heard and seen and felt. And mm -hmm. that's really not conflict resolution. And okay. so I brought some people in and one of them, he was a, a great man who's a sociologist himself or has a, um, yeah, a social, um, welfare degree. And also I think sociology degree. And he said, you know, here's how we're gonna do conflict. They should last less than 15 minutes most of the time, unless it's something really serious where there's been a great betrayal of trust. It should be actually shorter. And you should be able to tell the person not what they did wrong, but what you need from them. And when you yeah. coach them on what you need from them, that helps them to not, not create a pattern of doing the wrong thing over and over. And especially if the relationship is less than two years old, they're not gonna know how to treat you anyways, because they didn't grow up with you and they didn't, and you didn't grow up communicating all your needs to them. So you're going to communicate right. what you need. So if the person, you know, keeps gossiping and you're just sick of it and you don't trust them, you're not going to go to him and say, and you did this and you did this and you gossiped and you did this. You're going to say, Hey, I need to know that I can trust you with things I'm telling you that it won't come mm -hmm. out. And also my reputation that if, if you, if you have my name in your mouth, that it's going to be like respectable and it's going to be trusted right. and you're not going to tell yeah. private things, both good and bad about me. Um, but you're going to just hold those on. And I just need to know that that's part of your, the character of how you're going to treat a relationship. Because if it's not, I'm going to have a really hard time with this relationship. But if it is, then I'm going to feel really solid. Yeah. I'll, I'll do the same for you. And it, when he told us to do this, it literally changed everything about our team dynamics because people were having petty conflicts, which means they were saying things that they didn't even really need. They were just stirring up the emotions of the issues without mm -hmm. having any points of resolution or how here's how you can... I can entrust my heart to you, or here's how we could do it differently, or here's what I need from you. And we weren't doing that. And so we were just having, you know, 45 minute conversations that didn't lead anywhere. So Shree and I went into our relationship saying, let's tell each other what we need. And there's times when, you know, I would love to just hound her and say, you do this and you do this and all the time. And this is who you are. That's mm -hmm. it's the temptation is to say, I'm being affected. I'm hurting. Stop it. You know, versus <laughs> saying, Hey, when we're in social gatherings and yeah. we are talking, there's times that I'll interrupt someone and you literally tell me you just interrupted them over and over and over. And that's part of how I talk to people. I'm like a Fox news contributor. When I talk, <laughs> I interrupt people. And I like that. I like that energy on the, that mm -hmm. happens when there's like this back and forth and it's not just a long three hour story, but it's like, there's a back and forth and I'm asking questions. Yeah. That's who I am. And I need you to not try and monitor me or fix me or make me presentable the way you want me for other people. Cause I've done my life for, you know, 37 years without you. And mm -hmm. I like who I am. And if you don't like this, then we can figure out how to have conversations to where I cater more towards 
your style, but it's not going to be who I become. And I'm willing to change, but I feel like you're trying to change me and you're not letting me be who I am. And she's like, you're right. I'm not. And it does drive me crazy. Wow. Oh my God. You're right. And I'm like, yeah, I need to be able to interrupt people. I'm a little ADD. It's who I am, but I do want to learn how to be more attentive and listen. But at the same time, there's, you're not responsible for me socially, even though you're my wife, you know, mm-hmm. you are helpful to me socially. And I do want to be a good reflection on you. And I do want to honor you, but I, I am different than you. And I don't, I don't have conversations the same way. And I, I'm using an example of Sharice. She could use way better examples of me because she's had to put way more boundaries in place with me than I have it with her. But, uh, you know, that, that changes everything when I tell her, this is what I need from you. And I'm not going, you always, and you did this and every conversation, I feel like I'm shut down and I can't talk to anybody with you. And I didn't do any of that. I just said, Hey, in this conversation, this has happened before. Mm -hmm. You don't like it when I interrupt someone, when they're telling a story and you don't like when I refocus them or I'm an interviewer. Like I want to get, you know, stuff out of people and enjoy it. They usually enjoy it too. I've socially done really well in life. And she's like, you're right. I don't like that. Okay. Well I do. That's it. You know, and you can't monitor me. You can, I can change a little bit for you, but not a lot. And she's like, okay, okay. I got it. So I think that we, you know, we've learned through the years, like to have these conversations and some of them, sometimes you say to the person, I don't like that. And In the Christian world, we think if if I don't like something, it must not be God. So then, therefore, we have to change it. So we put religious pressure on each other, and conflict turns mm-hmm. really ugly because we put the God card on it. God told yeah. me. Oh, and yeah. God showed me. <laughs> and when we do that, you violate relationships. So Shri and I even totally. have in our relationship, we're not allowed to say, God told me this about your character, or God told me this about you, or you have to change this because God showed me. We won't put the God card down on it because we want to have an honest, connected relationship of love. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love that because I think when you throw down that God card, it just, it takes the other person's option of anything else away. <laughs> totally. I've had <laughs> it like, well, I have to follow that then. <laughs> yeah. You're just kind of like, okay, I guess, I guess we don't have a relationship because I can't yeah. even talk to you now because you've decided what God thinks and that's it. Right. And that's really hard. Or the other thing of, you're just telling me why you're upset. You're not telling me what you need from me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm hurt. And now we're, we, we both feel violated because I didn't even know I did something wrong in the first place. And instead of just telling me, hey, I need this in the future and I can feel that you're hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try and correct this because I want to really protect your heart. You're right. just telling me all kinds of negative things about me that make me feel ashamed. Right. Oh, I love that. Well, I, I kind of have a, a little difficult question. You, you gave it perfectly good example of like how you resolve the conflict. But I was wondering if you could describe a time in your life where a conflict wasn't able to be resolved. And how were you able to resolve that within your heart? Yeah, I've had a few of those. And they're, they're, they're those things that they'll haunt you if you don't resolve in your heart. Something. Oh, for sure. Because for sure. people are people and they're going to believe things about you or do things to you that you're not, you don't deserve. Um, good people hurt good people. It's not always the the violator who breaks into your house and, you know, beats your husband and hurts you. It's it's also good people who are the clo- the people who love us the most hurt us the worst. It's kind of that, that yeah. thing of all car accidents, the majority of car accidents happen within, you know, five miles of our house. Mm-hmm. It's, we think yeah. it's going to be like this big epic trip, you know, we take as a family on a freeway we've never driven on, but it's really on the ride to McDonald's, you know, or Starbucks. And I feel like I've had some, some time. So, so to answer the question specifically, yeah. um, I had a person who I really loved. It wasn't super close friend, but really loved this person. I really loved 
who they were. And we worked in similar genres of ministry and they came and they confronted me on my integrity over my ministry. And they're not mm-hmm. someone I'm accountable to directly, just relationally, as far as that, you know, they're, they're the same place of ministry that I would be in, but they're not, I'm not accountable to them. And they, and they came up and over me kind of like, right. almost like they were my board or my board member or something Wow, okay. It's to confront me and brought evidence that was all, all not real. And it was like right. very clearly like this, I've had a good impact in your life. I've had good fruit in your life. I've had a good connection mm-hmm. in your life. I've had a great relationship with your, your family, not just you. And you're willing to put all that um, on kind of like press the lead on all that because you think I've done this. And when I'm telling you, I didn't do this. You just look at me and say, you did do this. Right. And so I had to look at him and just go, it's really sad because now we're at a place where we don't have a relationship because you right. don't trust me foundationally. And I, now I don't trust you because you can do this to someone because mm-hmm. you, you won't default to back to trust or create a plan of, of trust. You're, you're defaulting to, it's almost like bullying in a way. And so I had to look at him and just go, this is kind of, a, this is a time that defines that there's a break. We're going forward, right. no relationship, no resolution. And they, cause they wouldn't resolve. They said, God has told me this. And if you don't change, it's again, the God card. If you don't mm-hmm. admit this and change or wow. do these steps, then um, I don't want to have a relationship with you. I'm going to make sure everyone I'm in relationship with won't have a relationship with you. And I was so side swipe because it wasn't like somebody mm-hmm. who was a cult watcher who was coming after a ministry. It was like right. someone who loves us, you know, and who yeah. was for us for a long time and then had a two-year case before and talked to dozens of people admitted in that meeting before they ever talked yeah. to me. So for two years had this building up and blew up on me. And wow. this has happened to me about three times in life in different ways, not always in ministry, but where someone came usually after a long season of not confronting or doing conflict. And mm-hmm. so the stakes were really high because we didn't have, we'd already lost ground, but I didn't even know we lost ground. And so I remember just thinking like, this is really hard because this person is no, this person has never been in my life again. I've never had one more conversation with them. It's been years. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, and I have regret and sadness that this happened because I went back and I was like, I can't own what they said, but I can, I can pivot and change some things about myself that make it easier to talk to me because the fact that they didn't talk to me for two years and we did have a relationship makes me think, is there anything in me that, I'm not being responsive to people when they're scared to talk, have hard conversations. And so right. I was like, I did kind of go to those, you know, not too bad of introspection where I'm wrong or I'm at fault in a major way, but I just, I wanted, I wanted to grow. So I was like looking for what are some growth steps, but, but you know, there's, I think that sorrow that you deal with when somebody rejects you uh, or when somebody gives you an ultimatum or when somebody breaks down the relationship, but another one where I talked about, the couple, something private that had happened in their life that was resolved. And I talked to it about to another couple thinking I was doing a good thing. Like, Oh, well, I have some friends that that happened to, and mm-hmm. they're amazing. And they've totally resolved that. And it had to do with some mental illness stuff. And yeah. they confronted me and broke relationship based on the fact that they didn't ever want this to be known by anybody, even though mm-hmm. God resolved it. And they said, it wasn't your right to tell. And I was like, I am so sorry. I will never do this again. And they said, right. the fact that you did it once is the one and done. You're done. We're never going to talk to you again. So like those kinds of things where it's like, you're just out of someone's life that you're doing life with. And you're like, what just happened? Like, how am I that untrustworthy? Am I, I made a mistake and my pattern isn't gossip. And I didn't even do this out of a space of exposing them. I did it in a space to help someone else, even though it was wrong, but I, Mm -hmm. they should have been able to hear that. But because there's so much shame connected to their, their own journey of it, they couldn't. 
And so it was just in, in their own standards of how they live life, they, I didn't fit in those standards. And that was really those kinds of things when you feel shamed or when you feel yeah. sorrow, when you feel accused, it's really hard to overcome. And I remember asking Jesus, how did you handle rejection? Like, I need oh, to know. Yeah. And yeah. I kept asking him over and over, how did you handle the type of rejection you had is far more than I've ever experienced, far more painful from people who you love far more than I know how to love. How did you handle this? And I remember one day I was like, I was crying out like fasting for this answer. And yeah. he goes, I died. <laughs> it's like laughing. <laughs> I go, so you're asking me to die? And he says, yes. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's it. That's the answer is I have to die to myself. I have to die yeah. to my expectations on people. I have to die mm -hmm. to my own self-awareness of what I think is right and wrong for me. Not morality, but just as far as like, you know, trying sure. to put, trying to take responsibility or trying to give responsibility. I just got to die to it and take it to the cross and just let God work it out. And there's some things we'll get to heaven and we won't have all the suffering between us and we'll be able to look at each other right. with clear eyes. And yes. it's as far as the people who, when it's a saved person. So that's kind of my story with that. Oh, that's so good. So um, what about, so I was just thinking as you were talking, what about a conflict that you think has resolved and, but it keeps resurfacing, say like, if you're having a disagreement, say, you know, you and Sheree are having a disagreement about the kids or something. And then something that happened 20 years ago comes up. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wait, we resolved that. I think this is a very common practice in marriages where, I, you know, you you think you went through the all the steps of resolving an issue and then the next, you know, maybe not the next disagreement or conflict, but maybe five down, it comes up again. And then maybe 10 down, it comes up again. What, what well, advice would you I give mean, that's, someone? That's a great question because the reality is that things that we're building character in don't always go away right away. And especially if you're right. going we just went through a worldwide pandemic that we're still at the end of, you know, we're going through yeah. a financial recession and finances trigger people's weaknesses more than anything. Almost, you know, it's like, we have so many, there's so much exhaustion from and fatigue from compassion and from having to exert new, uh, get new knowledge about issues like racism or social justice, or even when, you know, the global warming issue, whether it's real or not, there's so many weather phenomenons. So people are already traumatized and that maxed out already emotionally. And then you deal with real life relationships, everyday stuff and stuff that you might've resolved five years ago might come back up in a different way, or it might be something that you lean into not even knowing you're doing it. And there's another level of resolution. And we think as a Christian, well, once you've delivered it, it's done. Or once you've built the character, it's done. Now, once you've built the character, then you have to keep strengthening that character and you might have greater levels that bring out greater devils that challenge that place of character that then you have to go back to and re-strengthen it again. And so I've had times where an old pattern of something that is a, um, a way that I operate, like when I'm exhausted, I'm um, flaking my relationships. It's like, I'll have people I've I had yeah. my closest friends over and over say, you disengage relationally when you're exhausted, like when you're traveling and you're doing all this stuff, it's like, I'm trying to get to you. And it feels like I'm another meeting of you know 25 meetings and this isn't who you are. You committed in a different way and you were doing good, but now you've gone back to that pattern. And that sounds really shallow and whatever, but it's just, it's a real thing when you have real friends who are like, I need my real friend right now. You know, I need yeah. you and you're not being my real friend. You're, you're going back into this like disconnected version of yourself because you're exhausted, which means you have to change your exhaustion level or else we can't be friends because you're not managing your life well. And everything looks amazing, but then your closest friends are saying, where are you? You know, right. so I think like those patterns, like, I mean, I've defeated workaholism 15 mm -hmm. years ago. 
right. there's times when all of a sudden financial crunch hits, crunch hits or a project hits. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've just worked, you know, 12 hours a day, three days in a row. My daughters don't know me for three days. Yeah, This is yeah. not how I meant to be. And I have boundaries set up so I won't do this and I'm violating my own boundaries. So I think the big thing is I love that you mentioned the book boundaries, but I think like personal boundaries, even with, you know, recognizing, and then Sheree and I have an agreement and I have an agreement with most of my core friends that if, if they're going through something that they're not getting over, or if I'm going through something, I'm not getting over or Sheree's going through something we've committed, we'll get therapy. We've committed. Well, mm -hmm. she can recommend I get therapy. I don't see you overcoming this. You need to trust me. It's, it's time to go get some help. And so, and I know most therapy should come from your own desire, but there's something about the seasons we've told each other, like you need some help here. You're, you're disengaging, you're disconnected. And we, and we push each other into it based on our agreement. And it actually, thank God, you know, thank God we've done that because sometimes Absolutely. you're just at a place where you can't get out of the, the normal rut you're in. And when you've made an agreement, I will get out of this rut no matter what, for your sake and my sake, then you don't have a choice because you made an agreement. So that's really helped yeah. us through the years. Yeah, I, I love that you bring up therapy because I'm such a huge advocate for therapy. It has helped me tremendously in so many different aspects of yeah. my life. And so I just, I just wanted to say, I've so loved this conversation. Thank you so much for opening up and being vulnerable with us because I think it, I, I love it when influencers, you know, come on and we see you guys in a different light because I think it helps people to see things that you've struggled with, but also to see how you've overcome and so I just want to say thank you, Sean, so much for just coming on and um, um, yeah, just thank you for who you are and well, what you are to this world. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So thank you guys um, for tuning in this week. Thank you, Sean, for your time. And until next time, we bless you. Bye.